0: Our first scripture reading today comes from Psalm 139. As we come to God's word, let us pray. Gracious God, we do not live by bread alone, but by every word that comes from your mouth. Nourish us today through Jesus Christ, the bread of heaven, amen. O Lord, you have searched me, and known me. You know when I sit down and when I rise up. You discern my thoughts from afar. You search out my path and my lying down and are acquainted with all my ways. Even before a word is on my tongue, O oh Lord, you know it completely. You hem me in behind and before and lay your hand upon me. Such knowledge is too wonderful for me. It is so high that I cannot attain it. Where can I go from your spirit? Or where can I flee from your presence? If I ascend to heaven, you are there. If I make my bed in Sheol, you are there. If I take the wings of the morning and settle at the farthest limits of the sea, even there your hand shall lead me and your right hand shall hold me fast. If I say, surely the darkness shall cover me and night wraps itself around me, even the darkness is not dark to you The night is as bright as the day, for darkness is as light to you. For it was you who formed my inward parts. You knit me together in my mother's womb. I praise you, for I am wonderfully and fearfully made.
1: Before I read our second text this morning, I want to tell you about its shape. Philippians chapter 2 is what scholars call a Christ hymn, and it's written as a chiasm. In that word, you'll hear the Greek letter for X, chi. And if you think about the X shape, you'll hear it in this text. Kind of like a palindrome begins and ends with the same letters, a chiasm begins and ends with the same thought. And if I understand the text, it's trying to tell us and show us how Jesus the Christ took on flesh, came down into a human life, and how he was raised up and lives and reigns as Lord of all. So let us listen for God's word to us in Philippians chapter 2, starting at verse 5. Let the same mind be in you that was in Christ Jesus, who though he existed in the form of God, did not regard equality with God as something to be grasped, but emptied himself, taking the form of a slave assuming human likeness. And being found as a human, he humbled himself and became obedient to the point of death, even death on a cross. Therefore, God exalted him even more highly and gave him the name that is above every name, so that, the, so that at the name of Jesus, every knee should bend, in heaven and on earth and under the earth, and every tongue confess that Jesus is Lord, to the glory of God the Father." Friends, this is the word of the Lord. Thanks be to God. I read something this week that made me chuckle. The question was, what makes us human? The answer referenced the task that pops up on our computers to make sure that we're not robots. What makes us human? Selecting all images with traffic lights. (laughs) When we click the boxes that show the bicycles or the buses, we prove who we really are. We're human. We're not just pretending to be. In the second century, some Christians had a belief that Jesus was just pretending to be human. The church called this choice, this heresy, docetism. Docetism comes from a Greek word that means to appear, as in Jesus only appeared to be human. Christ's humanity was an illusion. They decided, or wanted to decide, that he was only divine. They wanted this because they thought that only the spiritual was good, and matter was evil. Thus, our bodies were bad. As I was working on this sermon, I got a text from the organist at the first church where where Jarrett and I served, telling me proudly that she had gotten a dog at Thanksgiving, but she didn't realize that the dog was pregnant. (laughs) So we went back and forth and I asked her if she helped to deliver the puppies at home. And she wrote, While I would love to witness that, it is probably a squelchier reality than my hardwood floors are made for. Docetism decided that bodies are just too imperfect, too frail, too messy, too squelchy for the God of heaven and earth to inhabit. So instead, they said that Jesus just appeared as a human, he was, it was really just a phantom. Or they said that at Jesus' baptism, a divine spirit entered in him and helped him do all the powerful words and deeds, but then departed from him before he was crucified. But to deny the humanity of Jesus is to deny the Incarnation. We believe in a God who became flesh, who had human cells and bones and organs, a God who experienced hunger pains and belly laughs, the wet of tears, the rush of endorphins, the depletion of energy, all of it. Over Christmas, at bedtime, we would ask the twins what song they would like before bed. And Caroline, without fail, would ask for that verse. What we learned that meant was that she wanted once in Royal David's city, but only verse three. It says, Jesus is our childhood's pattern Day by day, like us, he grew. He was little, weak, and helpless. Tears and smiles, like us, he knew. And he feels for all our sadness, and he shares in all our gladness. On Thursday afternoon, here in this sanctuary, there was a large collection of grieving Tar Heel hearts. And I stood before them as one of your pastors needing to speak words. And so I said that God was there, that God is there, in the midst of the worst grief that life can deal. I told some very tall folk who folded themselves to get in these pews, that death does not get the final word, life does. And the only reason I could say that with confidence is because God chose to live a human life and die a human death And that's how God knows what it feels like to have a broken heart and a broken body. So if we deny Jesus humanity, we deny Easter, the full power of the resurrection. Now, I suppose I could sit down right now. You might like that. I could sit down and just name what a good thing it was that the church to which we belong called this docetism thing a heresy. So we could keep our Christmas and our Easter. I mean, those are the only two church days that count for some people. But we are starting this new sermon series, Everybody's Favorite Heresies, because these historic church arguments over these theological quandaries, they aren't as distant or as cerebral or as hypothetical as you might think. Here you sit, church, all these centuries later, not on a high holy day, just a regular old Sunday. And I might say that you sit perfectly still. At 8.30 when I said that, there was a baby who started crying and the mom sprinted out of here (laughs) in total shame. So it makes me wonder, do you fully trust that you are fearfully and wonderfully made just as you are right now? with no New Year's resolutions to fix you? Do you fully claim that your faith cannot be lived apart from your body, your body that God has called very good, your body that can be trusted, that can be loved? Do you really know that? Look at your hands. I'm not doing palm reading. I married a loon. I love him, (laughs) but just look at them. Do you have cuticles that are ragged from anxious picking? Do you have joints that are knobby from arthritis? Do you find it hard to believe that the human body is where God has chosen to dwell. See, I think, I think we are guilty of this heresy every time, every day, that we forget that bodies are holy. And when we forget that bodies are holy, what happens is not of God. It's 11 o'clock on Sunday morning, the most segregated hour in America. That is the inevitable result of our refusal to see all bodies as holy. As I was typing these words, a news flash flashed across my screen, a school shooting in Des Moines That tally continues because we forget that bodies are holy. Docetism was deemed a heresy, but it is a hard heresy to shake. An early theologian named Irenaeus wrote a lot to help us get rid of this. He said, Jesus Christ became what we are, that he might bring us to be even what he is himself. These words are sometimes paraphrased. God became man that we might become God. Now, before you think we've just quickly traded one heresy for another, what Irenaeus was getting at is the truth that when Jesus came to us, we were brought before God in a new way. And when Jesus came to us, we were meant to see God in a new way and see ourselves and others in that way too. Because Jesus was both fully divine and fully human, every single human body has divine fingerprints all over it. And how we treat bodies, both our own and anyone else's, is really and truly how we treat God. In the spirit of our chiasm of scripture reading, let me end where we began. What is it that makes us human? It's not actually having intelligence enough to check all the fire hydrants. Is it not our ability to respect and to care for every body? May we be obedient to such a sacred and squelchy calling.
0: Amen.